0: Hey there, this is Sean McMahon. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast and thanks for supporting the ministry by lending your ears, your minds, hearts, all that good stuff. Don't be afraid to share this here message with a friend or a family member, even a stranger. Have it; It's not like it's going to bite. These messages are recorded live at the Community Baptist Church of Gayhead and in Aquinnah on Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and the good old USA. If you're ever in town for a visit or suddenly find yourself shipwrecked on the southwest side of our lovely little island. Climb up the clay cliffs and come on down to our little old chapel for our weekly 10 a.m. service. No need to wear anything special, just bring your special self. Mm -hmm. May God bless you. James chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and his religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. world. Thanks be to God. Today we're going to talk about the worship of angels, which is a term we see. In the Bible, in Colossians chapter two, verse 18, our Bible say, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you with speculation about what he is seeing because such a person is puffed up without basis by his unspiritual mind. Thanks, Paul. Always, Always heaping some nice gentle compliments on the people. So the question is, perhaps, Who was worshiping angels in the Colossian church, right? That's the question, right? Good question. But maybe actually it's not exactly the right question. Uh, The reason I say this, uh, let's let's do a quick word study. You ever done biblical word studies? It's fun. It's nerdy. It's very cool. So the word translated worship in this passage, the Greek is thraskeia, thraskeia. In Strong's Concordance, it's word number 2356 if you want to look it up. Its usage is defined thusly. It means worship as expressed in ritual acts. Religion. Interesting, right? Religion. In any good biblical word study, if you're going to do a biblical word study at home, you should see where else a word that you're studying is used in the Bible and how it's used or translated in other parallel passages. So, Threskaia is found in two other places in the New, the New Testament. And in every instance, it's translated religion. Religion. James chapter 1, which we just read, it reads If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and his religion, Threskaia, is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion, Threskaia. Before our God and Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He says his religion is worthless. These are very strong sentiments. This helps us get a little bit closer to the heart of the matter about the title of the sermon, the worship or the threskea of angels. The next occurrence of this word threskea is in Acts 26 verse 5. It's the words of Paul as he stands trial before King Agrippa in Israel. He says about himself, Paul says, I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, Thraskeia, living as a Pharisee. That's what he says in Acts 26, verse 5. So take note of two things about that. One, the majority of Thraskeia occurrences are translated religion. We just noticed that. And take note of how religion, in the case of Acts 25, 6, is synonymous with living as a Pharisee. Paul equates the two. He said, I was in the strictest sect of our Thraskea, our religion, living as a Pharisee. This point that we get to in our word study, of Thraschaea, is the tip of the iceberg of one of the greatest controversies of the early church that continues to this day. The meaning of Colossians chapter 2.18, where Paul says, don't let anyone who delights in false humility or the worship of angels, the thraskeia of angels, the religion of angels, don't let anyone in the religion of angels disqualify you. Interesting, right? So Paul is actually not saying that anyone offers worship to angels. That's not the proper translation. That's not the proper sense of what is written in Colossians 2. He's saying that there were those who adhered to a religion which was of or from angels, huh, right? And in Acts 25, verse six, he identifies that religion as his own former religion, of which he was a member of the strictest sect, the Pharisees. He's talking about the religion of the Old Testament. And he flatly charges Christians, do not let anyone involved in this religion of angels disqualify you. Okay, this is a scary passage for a man in a pulpit who speaks publicly, I'm recording this to say, to talk about Paul saying, don't let anyone involved in the religion of angels, the Old Testament religion, Judaism, disqualify you. That's what he's talking about. But I wanna be clear, the line between what I'm discussing here and anti-Jewish rhetoric is, is very clear. It's a very bold and clear line. There's nothing here in this passage that can or should be used to condemn or criticize the Jewish people. Right, of whom I'm in fact a family member by my mother's blood. Like Paul, I'm the first of my ancestry to leave behind the Jewish religion in order to follow Christ, Uh, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, and I identify with Paul's writings very much. So what's he saying here in these writings? Well, before we get back to Paul, we should look at Stephen, the first martyr of the church, okay? Because he was murdered for saying what Paul said to the Colossians and what I'm saying right here, right now to all you. He was murdered for saying this message that I'm sharing to you right now. Let's dig into Acts 6 and 7. And this is where Stephen is on trial before the Sanhedrin, the high priest, just as Jesus was not too long before him. Let's take note of the charge against Stephen. They said, We heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. This man never stopped speaking against this holy place, this temple, and against the law, the Torah. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And the high priest asked Stephen, Is this true? Well, Stephen says, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. And he starts giving a sermon. He gives a long winded answer. I'm sure any lawyer would be very proud of him. He narrates the story of God's covenant beginning with Abraham, going down to Isaac, to Jacob, and Joseph until the time of Exodus. And he comes to Moses and he says this he says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Let's bear note of that, un- that not unimportant detail. He said he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians bear that in mind, Egypt. Stephen is equally careful in his testimony when he notes that when Moses was in the wilderness, an angel appeared to him in the flames of the burning bush. An angel, okay? Bear that word in mind too. Listen for that. He was saying something interesting about Moses's reaction. He says, when Moses saw the burning bush, he marveled at the sight and tried to approach more closely. He tried, but then something happens. He heard the voice of the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because of this, it says, he dared not look. So at first he was going to try to look, but then he dared not to because of the voice he heard. He said, I can't do that. Well, does anybody remember from the story in Exodus what, uh, that Moses asked God to show himself, right? He asked God, can you show yourself to me? God says, no. No one could see the Lord and live. So Moses never saw God, right? This is what Stephen's talking about. Christ confirms this teaching. He says, Christ says, no one has ever seen the Father, okay? Stephen continues, except the Son, son. amen. But Stephen continues, this Moses is the one whom God sent to be the ruler and redeemer of Israel through the angel. Who appeared to him in the bush. Stephen is trying to say something about angels here, isn't he? He's talking a lot about angels in this sermon. He's not finished. He says, Moses was in the church in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai with our fathers, and he received living words to pass on to us, but our fathers refused to obey him. Okay? This is very important because watch what happens next. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to where? Egypt. They turned back to Egypt in their hearts and they said to Aaron, "'Make us gods who will go before us, make us gods. "'As for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, "'we don't know what happened to him, where is he?' So what happens when they say this to Aaron? Does Aaron take a stand on behalf of his brother Moses? Nope. He does exactly what they want. Says they made a calf, they offered a sacrifice to the idol, rejoicing in the works of their hands. Okay, this is what they did with their hands when their hearts turned back to Egypt. In other words, they wished to worship in the manner of the Egyptians, okay? So what happened when they did this? Stephen goes on, he says, God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the host of heaven. Might we do a word study there? The Greek translation of this passage indeed says, the Thraskea of the host of heaven, okay? In other words, God gave them over to the religion of angels. Gave them over to the religion of angels. What happened to Aaron after he made the golden calf, fashioned after the wisdom of the Egyptians and the religion of angels? Was he swallowed up into the earth? Nope. He was made the high priest. He was made the high priest. And all of his descendants were made priests in perpetuity, ministering in the same manner as him in the desert. Huh. How could anybody miss this? How could anybody miss this? Right there. In the desert of Sinai, the Israelites chose the religion of angels of Egypt. Okay? Well, Stephen didn't miss this. Stephen didn't. And the prophet Amos didn't miss it either. And Stephen quotes him. He says this in the voice of God. He says, Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings when you were in the desert, O house of Israel? Did you give them to me? No. You've taken the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your God, Remphan, the idols you made to worship. Stephen says of this tabernacle, he says, well, it was constructed exactly as God directed Moses. He's saying this wasn't an ungodly tabernacle. He says it was constructed exactly as God instructed Moses, according to the pattern he'd seen, that is the pattern shown to him by the angel in the wilderness. But even to this religion of the host of heaven, this religion of angels, the people did not remain faithful. Stephen says, our fathers who received this tabernacle brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations God drove out before them. It remained until the time of David, who asked to provide a dwelling place for the uh, the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, Stephen says, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. He says these words while standing in that house made by human hands, the temple. He says that before the priests, the descendants of Aaron, whose heart turned back to Egypt, okay? He says to them in climax, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your fathers fail to persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of, of the righteous one of Jesus. And now you are his betrayers and the murderers of Jesus. You who received the law ordained by angels yet have not kept it. What a climax, what a climax. On hearing this, what happens? The members of the Sanhedrin were enraged but Stephen full of Holy Spirit looked into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God in heaven. And he said, look, look guys, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, at this, they all covered their ears, cried out in a loud voice, they rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And we'll stop there with Acts 6 and 7. There's so much to unpack here, okay? Because Stephen here isn't really just condemning the Jewish religion only. He's condemning all religions all religions, in his testimony, quoting from scripture, from the law and prophets, he shows clearly that the religion of Israel was the religion of angels, of angels. More than that, he shows that they chose this religion because their hearts had turned back to Egypt. That is, the religion of Egypt was also a religion of angels, okay? There's not a single religion, in fact, on the face of the earth that is not a religion of angels. And the truth of Christ, I should say, is excluded of this because, you know the saying, it's not a religion, but a revelation of truth. Jesus is a revelation, not a religion. But on the other hand, uh, the great civilizations of all antiquity look into this fascinating history and mythology. They all record their origins thusly in the same, founded by gods, right? A number of gods who gave them their laws and their rituals according to the patterns of heaven, just like what happened in the wilderness uh, for Israel. These are the religions of sorcerers and astrologers. Scholars to this day look at these these religions, these ancient, ancient religions. They're baffled trying to explain how the ancients, who didn't have anything like telescopes, how did they have such rich astronomical knowledge? They knew about stars that we didn't know about until the modern era. Well, UFO enthusiasts love to say that's because the civilizations were founded by aliens, right? And the religions came from aliens. No, not ancient aliens, ancient angels the original hosts of heaven. These were the religions of the hosts of heaven. When we look to the societies where these ancient religions still thrive, like in Africa, and in India, and in the East, we see the same themes over and over again. It's no wonder that in our times, with all of our access to rich mythological and religious scholarship of the modern era, many people, you've probably heard this, come to the conclusion that all religions are the same. They're all basically reiterations of the same thing pointing in the same direction, right? They're not wrong. The Vedic and Buddhist religions of India, the mystery schools of Egypt and Greece, the shamanic religions of the aboriginals and Asia, they all bear a strong resemblance in their origin stories, that they were founded and given these laws and rituals by gods or angels from heaven, and their practices, which which as Hebrews 9.10 says are Only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the Reformation. They're all the same. External washings, uh, food and drink, external regulations, which Paul says only apply until the time of the Reformation. Christ came to inaugurate that time. That time. The time of Reformation, which is what we mark today on Pentecost. This is why after Pentecost, the apostles preached not just in Judea, not just in Palestine, but throughout the whole world, okay? The era of the religion of angels throughout the whole world had ended. The era of the kingdom of God had begun, the era of the sun. As Stephen gazed up into heaven, he shocked everyone with what he said. He said, I see the son of man sitting at the right hand of God. Not Michael, not Gabriel, not Uriel, not Raphael, right? Not the host of heaven. Not the angels, but the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, next to the throne of God. Well, Stephen especially shocked Saul when he said this, who was present during Stephen's execution. Saul, after all, in his own words, he said he conformed to the strictest sect of the religion of angels. So imagine Saul's shock, imagine Paul's shock, when on the road to Damascus, he was blinded by the light of not an angel, as Moses was, but of the Son of God. Right? clothed in heaven's blinding light. And by this encounter with the risen Christ, not an angel, Paul was converted and he became a herald of the time of reformation that he's talking about and the end of the age of the religion of angels throughout the world. Okay, At the beginning of Hebrews, he says, on many past occasions and in many different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. He says that in the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, he could equally be talking to any religious sect in the world, be it Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, etc., God is the father of all. He's tried to reach everyone throughout the world since the beginning of time in many different ways, right? Usually through angels, if you look at these stories of these religions. But Paul says, in these last days he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. And he spends the entire first chapter of Hebrews comparing the son with the angels showing the supremacy of the Son and the Son's revelation. The difference, as we can now see, I hope, makes a huge difference, right? And by the way, by the way, Paul nowhere says that the religion of angels is in itself bad. He never says that. In fact, he says the law is good, but he says though the law itself is good and what it asks of you is good, in the hands of men, it does not have the power to help. In fact, historically, it only hinders. He says, once I was alive apart from the law, But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. He says that in Romans chapter 7. Such is the nature of the religion of angels in the hands and traditions of men. Okay? So when we think about today in our times, in our world that we live in, the religious marketplace is more varied, offering more offerings than ever. Uh, the books of all the ancient religions are available to everyone, everywhere. I, I recommend people read them. They're fascinating. And every day, our religious freedom breeds more and more adherence to different sects, right, especially in America. Uh, you might check the stats. Institutional Christianity is kind of on the wane. It's still a majority, but it's on the wane, while modern adaptations of Buddhism, yoga, shamanism, and more, they're they're consumed by more and more people, Uh and they do it at their own cost, by the way. Some Americans spend more money on a yoga retreat than, than other Americans spend on tithes in their church, right? Well, a momentary consideration, might I say, of the roots of Christendom could show us the problem and why this is happening. Uh, if you start with the mother churches, the Catholic and Orthodox churches from which the Protestants broke away, well, they'll say themselves, they modeled their traditions their liturgies, their hierarchy, their priesthood, after the Levitical religion of Israel, after the priesthood of Aaron. Therefore, it's modeled after the religion of angels. Most of the Protestant sects that broke away actually continued these traditions, right? Ask any average Joe off the street, he'd be hard-pressed to tell you the difference between a Catholic, Lutheran, or Anglican and high mass. They're all basically the same. And there are other spirit-filled sects that arose throughout history, Uh, that didn't continue those traditions, like the Quakers, right? And of course, the Baptists. Um, Well, the descendants of these initial uh, uh, founders, they did develop their own traditions. We have our own. Some of these traditions veered away from Christ himself if you look at the history of Quakers in America, right? This is the way of the world. This is the way it works. This is what humans do. This is what people do, right? But just as we're not called to the religion of angels, nor are we called to the (coughs) traditions of men, Once upon a time in America, full churches were a given, right? Christian culture was a given. But with God, neither of these are actually givens. These are the traditions of men, okay? From the beginning, the Spirit of Christ has warned us about these traditions since they can sometimes, as Paul says, choke the spiritual life out of us, okay? So let's take heed to the words of St. Paul. Let's hear again what he says. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the religion of angels. You know, we're talking about New Age, yoga, even institutional Christianity, by the way. Don't let anyone who delights in these religion of angels disqualify you. Don't let them disqualify you. For if you've died with Christ to the spiritual forces of the world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its regulations? Like, don't touch, don't taste, don't, don't do that, Right? These will all perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such restrictions have an appearance of wisdom they their self-prescribed worship, and we're told that all the time, that Christians don't have a good system, that there are other systems better out there, right? They have an appearance of wisdom because they have these systems of worship, their false humility, and harsh treatment of the body, which is supposed to make you holy, but it says they're of no value, truly. So instead, We want to cling to God. It's a simple, simple idea. And it might look like foolishness to the outside world, right? Worshiping him in truth and spirit. Because as Christ said, the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit gives life. The Christian life, actually, the Christian life is the true meaning of spiritual, but not religious. We hear that saying, right? Spiritual, but not religious. That is what the Christian life is meant to be. So live in the Spirit according to the golden rule of our Lord, sharing with everybody the steadfast love of God revealed in Christ. And in this way, rather than emptily practicing religion of angels, we will ourselves become like the angels in heaven, like Jesus taught. And just as it says of Stephen in Acts 6, that when people looked at him, he had the face of an angel. May it be so with all of us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Sean McMahon Podcast. Visit SeanSellickMcMahon.com for more information about his ministry. For more about Sean's music, please visit WorkmanSong.com.